Hello and welcome to another episode of the National Kidney Foundation's Life as a Nephrologist podcast. I'm your host, Natasha Dabe. This month marks the 45th anniversary of the International Society of Renal Nutrition and Metabolism. To celebrate this, the Journal of Renal Nutrition, JRUN is publishing a special supplement focusing on several themes, including plant-dominant diets, microbiome modulation, and how to approach nutrition in patients who elect conservative care. We are fortunate to be joined by the editors of this issue and several of the authors. So let's introduce the editors first. We are joined by the editor-in-chief editor of the journal, Cam Kalantar-Zadig. Uh, Cam, do you mind introducing yourself? Yeah, hi. This is Cam Kalantar-Zadig. I'm a nephrologist from Southern California, Los Angeles, Harbor, UCLA, and UCLA System, and the co-editor-in-chief of the Journal of Renal Nutrition, also known as JRED. Awesome. Thank you so much for being here today. We're going to move on to the guest editor of this segment, who is joining us all the way from Hong Kong, Angela Wang. Angela, do you mind introducing yourself? Thank you. My name is uh, Angela Wang, and I'm from Hong Kong. I was the um, past president of the International Society of Renal Nutrition and Metabolism, and it's a great honor to join this podcast. Thank you. Thank you. We're excited to have you. Let's introduce our first author, Brandon Kistler. Please introduce yourself. Thanks, Natasha. Uh, like she said, my name is Brandon Kistler. I'm an assistant professor at Purdue University, which is in West Lafayette, Indiana, and I'm a registered dietitian, and I am also the uh, associate chair of the International Society of Renal Nutrition and Metabolism. So thanks for having me. Of course. Thanks for being here. Next, we're going to head to Keiichi Sumida. Uh, kindly introduce yourself. Hi, uh, this is Keiichi Sumida. I am a nephrologist and research faculty at the University of Tennessee Health Science Center. And I'm currently uh, serving as the chair of uh, Patient Resources Committee uh, for the ISRNM. Uh, it's great to be here, and thank you very much for this wonderful opportunity. Of course. And finally, we're going to introduce our last author, all the way from Australia, Kelly Lambert. Thanks for joining us. Please tell us a little bit about yourself. Thanks. Hi, everyone. Um, look, my name's Kelly Lambert. I'm a dietitian and associate professor, uh, and I work at the University of Wollongong, which is an institution south of Sydney in Australia. And I'm also on the council with Brandon. So that's the Council for International Society of Renal Nutrition and Metabolism. Thanks for letting me join today. Of course. So we've got a full house today and several articles to, to walk through. So I'm excited that you guys could all join us. I want to start out with talking to the editors, Cam and Angela. Can you give our listeners an overview of the special edition and tell us a little bit about why you chose to highlight this for today's episode? Maybe I start first. This is Cam Kalantar or Kalantar Zadegin. As the co-editor-in-chief of the journal, we are constantly looking for great uh, platforms where experts uh, related to renal nutrition gather and present. And the ISRNM or International Society of Renal Nutrition Metabolism related activities are the leading sources of uh, these, uh, these areas of expertise. The uh, last Congress of the International Society of Renovation Metabolism was held in China. And to that end, Dr. Angela Wang was 
the immediate past president and oversaw the activities related to this important uh, international congress. And the uh, contributions that are being discussed today are all coming from that conference. On top of that, and, uh, Dr. Angela Wang is going to uh, mention something about also special anniversary. So I'm going to stop here to see what Dr. Wang has to say. Thank you very much, Cam. It's a great honor to join this core and also to have the special issues selected for this podcast. In fact, the um, International Society of Renal Nutrition and Metabolism was established back 45 years ago. And last year, when we had the um, 21st uh, Congress of the International Society of Renal Nutrition and Metabolism, it gave us this idea that we should be doing an anniversary journal uh, issue for our society, which is the 45th year's anniversary issue. And um, I think this issue really landmarks some important changes or evolution in uh, renal nutrition and metabolism and that there are um, 16 chapters in this issue, and each of the chapter actually outlined a very key aspect in renal nutrition and metabolism that have evolved uh, and developed in both research as well as uh, clinical care in the aspect uh, in the last 45 years. So um, the three chapters selected are some of the uh, key areas that we have faced uh, great uh, changes and advances made. Uh, for instance, um, the chapter uh, led by Kaichi Sumida on potassium management. Um, this is a, clearly an aspect that has undergone uh, a lot of evolution um, in the last 45 years. And there's another key interest area by Kelly Lambert, which is on the gut microbiota. Again, this is an area which is central to renal nutrition and metabolism. And also the other um, chapter by Brandon is on uh, conservative kidney care. Again, this is an important area, but very often neglected area. So we decided to choose these key areas as, as the focus for today's podcast. I love that. I love how a conference has spurred the inspiration for this issue. It's truly a testament to what happens when you get so many great minds in one room. And, uh, you know, it, I just feel like magic happens. So I think that's a really great way to sort of tee up the articles that we're going to discuss. So I'm going to introduce the articles. The first article is titled New Insights into Dietary Approaches to Potassium Management and Chronic Kidney Disease. The second article that we'll be talking about today is targeting the gut microbiota and kidney disease, the future in renal nutrition and metabolism. And finally, we'll end with talking about nutritional and dietary management of chronic kidney disease under conservative and preservative kidney care without dialysis. All right, let's dive into our first article on the insights of dietary approaches to potassium management and CKD. My first question to the group is, what is novel about this article and sort of what led you to choose it? I think I'll address this question to Cam. Yes, thank you. The, the three articles, they highlight some of the uh, uh, emerging focus areas in the field of renal nutrition. And uh, as the title implies, dietary approaches for potassium management 
a great number of colleagues, including Dr. Sumida, Dr. Lambert, and Dr. Wang, have contributed to this. And uh, with that comes the challenge of potassium management in chronic kidney disease, which has been longstanding and yet the most uh, heart-healthy diets or meal regimens, they are rich in potassium. So I'm going to stop here. Maybe we can start with uh, Kai Chi, Dr. Sumida. Thank you. Yeah, I got the privilege to serve as a lead author of this paper uh, together with a number of distinguished co-authors. As many of you know, dietary potassium restriction has long been considered a key intervention in preventing and reducing chronic hyperkalemia and its potentially life-threatening sequelae. Uh, however, emerging evidence from observational studies has now challenged this widely accepted practice uh, by showing minimal risks and more favorable outcomes associated with higher dietary potassium intake, even in patients with CKD. And this in turn raises the possibility of a paradigm shift from restricting dietary potassium towards fostering more liberalized plant-based dietary intake uh, to improve calorie-renal outcomes. So in this context, as one of the novel aspects, uh, this article summarized uh, the available evidence on both historical and novel dietary approaches uh, to optimize potassium management in patients with CKD. Yeah, that's really helpful. So what can clinicians learn from this study? After reviewing this paper, what are some of the key takeaways that, that they can immediately implement into their practice? Yeah, thank you for the, um, the question. Uh, I think what we can learn from this article is the fact uh, that evidence is accumulating that challenges the prevailing dogma of potassium uh, dietary potassium restriction, uh, although questions still remain about the potential risks of potassium um, plant-based diets. Uh, the paper also suggests the need for well-designed clinical trials to test the validity of dietary potassium intake uh, toward optimal potassium management and ultimate improvement of clinical outcomes in patients with CKD. Awesome. Thanks, Keiichi, for that response. I'm going to open it up to the group. Any other thoughts on this article and what makes it very interesting? I actually think it's really tantalizing, this uh, kind of review article, because it, I think we're kind of at the cusp of a new era and the combination of maybe using potassium binders with liberalizing the diet because we know more about bioavailability. I think we're really at this turning point now where we could potentially relax some restrictions for patients and make their lives better and increase the range of foods that potentially they can eat. Um, so I think it's giving us some insights into where we may head in the future. If I can maybe add just one other, uh, I think, message that you can potentially take away from this article is this idea of fiber, which I think will be a potentially a consistent message throughout a number of these articles. But this idea that fiber is this potentially low-risk intervention that may have potassium, you know, sparing or potassium-preserving uh, uh, benefits, you know, that's still still work ongoing in that area. But you know, increasing fiber is a recommendation that can have a lot of uh, benefits, and this is potentially one of those. 
Gosh, I love that. Thank you all for your insights. Brandon, I feel like you teed up our next article pretty well with talking about fiber. The next article we're going to talk about is targeting the gut microbiota and kidney disease, the future in renal nutrition and metabolism. What can our readers learn from this article? I'd love, uh, Kelly, if you could weigh in on that. Sure. Um, it's been fabulous fun compiling this article, actually. But I think for, for readers who maybe aren't familiar with the topic or not as you know, detailed as they would like. There's three kind of takeaways that I think for me come from this article. The first is, you know, while we don't really know what the ideal optimal composition of the microbiota is, we do know that people with kidney disease have a distinctly different microbiota. And that's driven by having kidney disease where you've got a, an altered lumen pH, but also you've got uremia, and then you've got the other combination of factors like the polypharmacy, the, the, you know, the altered diets, the combination of medications that they have being sedentary, all of those things impact on the profile of the gut. I think that's one of the kind of things I've learned. The second thing is that, you know, that, that relationship between what's happening in the gut and, the, and what's happening to the person is bi-directional and they both influence each other. And that's, that's what's really fascinating and, and interesting in the future of you know, therapy, because we can potentially modulate that relationship in a positive way. And I think the third thing for me from this article is that it really comes back to basics. You have to get the dietary pattern correct and get people eating healthy dietary patterns. It's like the foundation for having a healthy gut. And then you've got the potential for perhaps adding on top probiotics, prebiotics, symbiotics, other therapies themselves are not the things that are going to modulate your microbiota. It's having that foundation diet correct. And that's where maybe Cam would like to talk about um, Play-Doh diets and, and the plant-based diets, but that's really where the evidence is at this point in time. So that, that's my take on the, the article itself. Yeah, Cam, care to elaborate there? Thank you, Kelly, for mentioning plants' dominant low-protein diet which is a very nice uh, segue going towards the third topic. I think among others, collaborative group of colleagues, pretty much everybody who is here is going to touch base on. Among others, uh, traditionally, low-protein diet uh, has been suggested, there have been studies to use to uh, slow progression of CKD to increase dialysis uh, or prolong dialysis free time. However, given what uh, Dr. Sumita and Dr. Lambert astutely alluded to, now with this the new era, there is more emphasis on having or rediscovering the power of plant-based, plant-dominant or plant-forward meals or diets. So I'm going to stop here. Why? Because we have also, among others, Dr. Brandon Kistler, who has contributed to this field, among others, has allowed us to better organize some of the proceedings of uh, guidelines, including lastly, KDOKI guidelines, and in terms of uh, the quality and quantity of dietary protein intake and other components of the diet. Yeah, so I guess I, we can transition to talking about this is a nice transition to the, the final paper, which was, again, as mentioned, a collaborative effort led by Dr. Ree, Dr. Connie Ree, who's also out there in, in California with Dr. Kalantar 
And one of the themes we have throughout this issue is really talking about this transition, uh, where we've been and where we're going. And I think like many of the papers we've talked about before, as Kelly alluded to, we're kind of on the precipice of a lot of paradigm shifts in renal nutrition. And I think when I think about this conservative care paper, uh, one of the things we, we talk quite a bit about is this transition in protein type that Dr. Kalantar just alluded to, this, this transition from what was traditionally this high biologic value emphasis, which was generally uh, animal protein, to this, this emphasis that perhaps uh, we should be uh, focusing on other protein sources, uh, plant-based protein sources. And so if you look at the guidelines in, in terms of this specific area, they, they weren't prepared to, to make a recommendation yet, but there are a lot of other benefits uh, of focusing on uh, plant-based diets where there were recommendations made, uh, things like acidosis uh, and, and blood pressure. And so I think this, this plant focus, again, can have a lot of benefits outside of this, uh, this idea of, of preserving kidney function. I really love that. And so, you know, from the last two articles, the first being targeting the, the gut microbiota, and then the second being conservative care patients, what can clinicians sort of take away and implement into their practice when it comes to managing patients with kidney disease? Well, if I could add that uh, in the field of renal nutrition, it's not just the physician who is the clinician uh, or educator, it's a teamwork between uh, nephrologists and dietitians, also known as renal dietitians or kidney nutrition dietitians. Uh, and that's why uh, you see that uh, uh, we're here uh, with a group of nephrologists and dietitians uh, working together. Uh, this is also known as a medical nutrition therapy. That means a nutrition therapy that is well-guided by the teamwork and uh, collaboration. So this, this is the platform that would allow us collaboratively to offer patients with CKD options or choices beyond uh, getting prepared for dialysis or kidney transplantation. And, and these are all consistent with the new era in the U.S. known as value-based care models where groups that have signed up with these groups of physicians and dietitians, they may uh, even be offered incentives for teaming up to slow progression. And, and who is here to say that there is no patient who would welcome delaying or preventing the start of dialysis? Absolutely. Yeah, that was a, a beautiful um, comment. Anyone else like to, to add? Yeah, Kelly, please. Yeah, I was going to say for clinicians, particularly nephrologists, I think my takeaway message would be if you're going to talk to your patients about diet, then talk about food and not nutrients because people eat food and not nutrients. And it comes back to encouraging healthy dietary patterns encouraging a variety of fruits and vegetables, whole grains, nuts, legumes, uh, fish, 
If you get that part right, then it helps everything else. It helps potassium management. It helps the gut, helps your, your phosphorus management. It really does come back to the foundation. And so that would be my takeaway message. That's where we're heading. Angela, anything to add? Yeah, I think there are, I mean, I think the three topics that we selected today are clearly very important and central um, to managing patients with kidney disease. And it also illustrates the importance of organ crosstalk, like um, between the kidney disease and the gut and cardiovascular disease, or even uh, brain health. So clearly we do need more research. And I think um, one thing illustrates in this special issue is also the future development and the research gaps. Um, so in three, in all these chapters, uh, we have also highlighted some of the research gaps and how we can uh, further move the field forward uh, by doing more research in clinical trials, and especially with the uh, gut microbiota or conservative kidney care or even potassium management. So uh, we call for uh, more uh, research globally in order to uh, bridge gaps in our knowledge. Thank you. Awesome, Angela. And with that, I think we're going to wrap up. But before we do, I'd like to thank the editors and authors for their time and contribution to this special edition. I learned a lot. I'd also like to thank our listeners. If you're interested in these articles or others, please take a look at the special edition. We'll include a link in the show notes. If you've enjoyed this episode, please tag us on Twitter. Our handle is at NKF. And if you'd like to get in touch with us about future episodes or have ideas, please email us at nkfpodcast at kidney.org. Until next time, everyone, take care. Mm -hmm.